Hi there, this is Chris Walter, pastor at Oakdale Church, and this is our weekly sermon podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you to grow in your faith and helps you to see God in your life. Enjoy the message. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke in the 10th chapter, picking up in verse 25. Here you hear a parable very familiar to all of us in which Jesus has a conversation with a lawyer. Hear these words. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite who came to him to the place and saw him passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, He was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers, he said, the one who showed him mercy? Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. As I begin my message this morning, I have a question for you. Now, I know a few of you will immediately think as I ask this question of an individual, you cannot think of your siblings. Now, I only say that because I know a few siblings will immediately agree that, yes, my sister is one of those at times, or my brother. But have you ever struggled, ever had a problem loving someone else? Being nice to them. Now, I I ask that question because I I see Molly and Casey sitting there. And I suspect the answer is, of course we love each other. We just don't like each other that often. (laughs) Now, I know for Grady and Grant, it is a tight-knit love that they have for each other all the time. Right, Dad? <laughs> oh, my, my apologies. You know, the truth is there is always someone, isn't there, in our lives that rubs us the wrong way, that makes us feel uncomfortable. And sometimes it in truth, isn't it, that it's hard to truly like them. 
Especially when someone is completely the opposite of us. Maybe we are someone who is quiet and they just seem to talk endlessly. Maybe it's someone who likes to gossip a lot. And for us, we can't stand gossipers. Or maybe it's something even simpler than that. They come from a different economic background than us, an ethnic background, maybe even a completely different culture than we do. And for whatever reason, it makes us hard to like them. But we try, don't we? We want to try anyways. We want to get along with those different than us, but yet something is a struggle, something inside of us. Two individuals, two researchers one day decided to test this particular passage out of the Gospel of Luke, the Good Samaritan story. They thought to themselves, you know, if we go to some seminary students, I bet they would live this out. They would live this passage out. So they decided. So they found some seminary students and they asked half of the students, they said, here's the test. I need you to write a sermon, five to seven minutes, on the Good Samaritan. The other half, they said, you can write on anything you desire as long as it is not on the Good Samaritan. And then they asked the students, they said, but before you do, why did you go into ministry? And everybody, they all said, because we were called to help people to help others, to help those around us, those that God places in our life. We are called to help them. And so they proceeded to write their sermons. Most of them, it just took a mere few seconds, some a little longer, but as they were coming to their conclusions, they then were asked to present their sermons. But they needed to present their sermons in a building across campus. The researchers strategically on that route to the building, had placed a man, an actor, on the ground. Told the actor, as the seminary students approach, you need to moan and groan and look hurt so they'll stop and help you. The actor did this. The researchers hypothesized that the seminary students, especially those that had written about the Good Samaritan, would stop and help. And those that didn't wouldn't be on the forefront of their mind and would continue on on their journey. What they discovered was, well, honestly, wasn't the case they anticipated. Only 10% of the seminary students who wrote about the Good Samaritan stopped and helped. 63% of those who didn't write about the Good Samaritan stopped and helped. What the researchers explained was, but there was one thing that we added to the story. You see, they, they told the seminary students who had written about the Good Samaritan, they said to them this, you must hurry to get over there because you're already running late. They expected you a few minutes ago. They're getting very antsy, so you must run. You must hurry along. But to those who had written something else, they said, take your time. Don't hurry. Go now, though, because it would be rude not to arrive early. And so they left. Some seminary students were in such a hurry, they wrote, that they literally and figuratively stepped over the man on the ground. What they determined was it wasn't that they didn't want to stop. 
It was that they couldn't see to stop. They were blinded by something that distracted them from their calling to help a neighbor. And in truth, a lot of us have that same blindness at times. Whether it's we're running late, whether there's something else we see, we see an exterior on a person and we think, I can't help them, I'm not comfortable. We have a stereotype in our mind, well, if I help them, they're just going to abuse the help. And we wrestle with it. The lawyer in our story, who knew, who knew what he was supposed to do? Because Jesus even asks him, doesn't he? Jesus says, what is written in the law? And the lawyer answers with clarity. You shall love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. In other words, you need to love God with everything. And then love your neighbor as yourself. You see, the lawyer wanted to know. He wanted to trick Jesus, asking, how do you get into heaven? What is your salvation? The lawyer knew the answer to the question. And Jesus, in turn, when he asked the question, the lawyer gave the correct response. Love God. And then go and do. But then the lawyer thought to himself, well, who really should I love? Because let's face it, Jesus, I shouldn't have to love everyone around me. Those people down the street, the ones that live in that one place over there around the corner. Well, Jesus, those are people I can't love because they just abuse everything. They're addicts. They just take and take and take and take. Why should we help them? They're truly not my neighbors. They look differently than me, Jesus. I shouldn't have to help them. You know, the lawyer in his response is really saying, what you're saying, Jesus, is for me to get into heaven, I must do certain things. I must love the impossible. Why should I do that? All I have to do is love God and I'm in. But you see, it's not about action, Jesus says. It's about your heart. The lawyer was missing this whole point in the entire conversation. Because everything grows out of your relationship, out of your heart with God and with others. And so when the lawyer asks the question, who is my neighbor? Jesus begins to tell the story, the Good Samaritan, a story all of us know. He tells of the man that was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho along a windy, dangerous road. A road where there were caves on the side of the road where robbers could hide, jumping out and robbing those who were traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, taking everything and then running back into the caves to hide once again. And one of these men fell into the hands of these robbers. He was stripped, he was beaten, he was left for dead on the side of the road. Everything taken from him. Not just his physical appearance, but even, I suspect, his hope was taken from him. Why would someone ever do this to me? Why would someone ever do anything to anyone else? Why would those folks abuse when someone comes to help them? I don't 
I don't understand that. Jesus says, and then there was a priest. By chance, he says. A priest, a godly man, would come along the road. Sent by God, because why else would a priest be traveling on this road by himself? But there he was, approaching this man. Surely he, of all the people that would stop to help him, would be the priest. But yet, we know he goes on the far side of the road. It doesn't specifically say why. We can only assume that he was afraid maybe there were more robbers and they were going to attack him. Maybe the man was faking his injuries. Maybe, just maybe, what the priest had, he would lose. So why take that chance? Why reach out and help when he himself may get robbed, taken advantage of? And if that wasn't enough, the Levite shows up on the scene. A Levite, a spiritual man, a man who did love God without question. He worked in the church. He served the church. A man that would know what it means to love a neighbor, to help someone that is hurting. A man with great compassion in his heart. Someone who would sit with the scriptures, would pray, would serve God whenever and wherever possible would show up on the scene and then do the same as the priest, pass by on the other side. And then finally, a Samaritan shows up. A Samaritan, while traveling, arrives at the scene. Something we must know about the Samaritan is the Samaritans were detested by those around them. They were not liked. Some say it was because they were partly Jewish but yet wouldn't follow Jewish law, Jewish rules, Jewish customs. The other would say, well, they're also partly Gentile, so we can't like them because they have Gentile blood in them, even though some might try to follow the message of God. We just can't like them. They're different than we are. And yet the Samaritan stops. He is moved with the Hebrew word of pity, or as you heard in the reading, compassion. A gut-sensing love for this person on the side of the road. So much so that the Samaritan would give it all away to help this injured man. A person hurting, a person who had lost all hope, all sense of self. The Samaritan would stop, he would bandage his wound. More than likely, the only thing the Samaritan probably had with him was his clothes on his back. He would have to tear those clothes to create bandages to place on his wounds. The oil and the wine that he had with him were for his own travels. What if he got hurt along the way? He would need something like the oil and the wine to clean to those wounds. But yet he used it on the man on the road, giving it all to him. And then for his own safety, he had an animal that traveled that great distance from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he put the man on on his animal and decided to walk. He would arrive in an inn and take care of him. And then eventually use his daily wages, two days of his daily wages, to pay for the man's time at the inn so he could recover fully. 
What we must know, what we do know about these two days worth of wages is it would have paid for almost three weeks of time at the inn. And then if that wasn't enough, he even told the innkeeper, I'll come back and pay the debt that is due. I will give it all back. How often do we see someone on the side of the road and think to ourselves, I'll give, but I need to know that what I give will be used for good. I need to know that what I give will not be abused by those who I'm giving to. Oh, if they only would just use it for good. Well, I'd give a lot then. But Jesus says to just go, doesn't he? He tells the lawyer at the very end of this parable, he says, so who do you really think was a neighbor to the man who fell to the robbers, to the thieves, to those who took his hope away? Who do you think was truly that neighbor? The lawyer knew without question who it was. It was the one who gave mercy. It was the one who showed the man there was still hope in the world. There is still love in the world. How often do any of us have the opportunity to do this very thing? And yet we turn our heads, our eyes away from the situation because it's just uncomfortable. Maybe we just don't know any better. But Jesus says to the lawyer and to you and me, go and do. Go and do and don't hesitate to help your neighbors. Don't go and hesitate and say, I can't do it today. Jesus doesn't give any of that. He just says, go and do as the Samaritan does. Give, share, and remind your neighbors there is hope found in me. This, friends, is our calling. This is our need we have in the world. We must do this. An individual wrote by the name of Shane Claiborne, he wrote that he spent some time in the slums of Calcutta with Mother Teresa. And he would often be asked after his experiences, tell us about Mother Teresa. Tell us how she is. Oh, she must be glowing with an angel's wings. She must have a halo that's around her that no matter what dark street she's in, it just shines. It must be wonderful to be in the company of a saint. He said she was very short. She was kind of wrinkled. Oh, she was precious. Although she was a little ornery from time to time. He said, you know, she reminds me of that wonderful, beautiful, wise old grandmother. He says, that's Mother Teresa. Simple, not complex. And loving in a way that most of us never even realized. He said, you know, but there's one thing I'll I'll never forget, he wrote. He says it was her feet. He said, I would, when they would have mass, look down and see her feet. They were mangled. They were deformed. 
And he thought to himself, she must have leprosy. He says, I would never ask her why her feet were so deformed. I didn't want to really know. He says, as we were getting ready to leave, one day one of the sisters came and said, have you ever noticed Mother Teresa's feet? Have you ever wondered why they're so deformed? This was his opportunity to find out, so he nodded, yes. I've noticed. I've wondered. Curious, but I'm not going to ask. And she said, well, let me tell you why. You see, her feet are deformed because when we receive boxes of new shoes, there's always just enough for one pair for everyone here, including all the sisters and Mother Teresa. And she will, before any pair is given out, must look at each pair of shoes, inspecting them. Thought that was odd. The sister went on and said she would go through pair after pair, trying pairs on, until she found the one pair that was the worst of the bunch. And that is the pair of shoes she would wear. She did this for years and years because she wanted to make sure no one else received the worst pair of shoes. You see, this is the kind of love, friends, that places our neighbor's needs before our own. This is the kind of love that the Samaritan showed the man on the road. This is the kind of love that Jesus wanted the lawyer to truly see. It's not just about knowing the law. It's about living out through your heart for the world around you. And in doing so, the world will see in you the great love of Christ, the great love that God has for the world. And at times, God will place in your life someone that it is so hard to love. You wonder why they are there. Well, because they need the love of God. Maybe it's a student that you teach. Maybe it's a neighbor that you just have never been able to get along. Maybe, just maybe, it's a sibling who drives you bonkers from day to day. Maybe, just maybe, it's someone that you've not yet met. But the calling from God is to love our neighbors as ourselves. And in doing so, they too will see the love we know, the love we hold on to from Jesus in our lives. Amen.